Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. No special announcements or anything, but I do want to warn you, I have a pretty nasty cold, so I'm sorry if my voice is more annoying than usual this week. But let's jump in and talk about all the awesome stuff that's been happening. Well, we're starting out this week pretty weird. The Japanese-only PlayStation 1 game LSD Dream Emulator is now receiving a fan translation to modern Windows, Mac, and Linux platforms. The game did have an English translation patch at one point for the PlayStation 1 version, but the developer FiggleWatts has been working on a remake for modern operating systems. So I remember hearing about this and hearing how weird it was, but it seemed like something I would want to experience just for the heck of it, just to see what it was like and, and to see, did it remind me at all of an LSD experience or if the developers just wanted to call it that? I don't know, but now it should be available. Uh, even though it's in the early stages of development, it should be available for anybody to try on PC, Mac, or Linux. So if you want to read more about it or maybe even check out where it's at, uh, check out Alex's post with links to the main project. Next up, pre-orders are now open for a vinyl version of the Contra Rebirth soundtrack. That was a 2D side-scrolling Contra game that was released as a WiiWare title, and the soundtrack is going to be $30, give or take, depending where you're at, plus shipping, and the scheduled release is quarter one, 2024. It's going to come in a couple of different versions, and uh, does anybody remember playing this game? Because I definitely remember seeing it. I remember wanting to play an old-school Contra game, and I never actually took the time to buy it and play through it. But is this something I should go back and revisit? Does this feel like old school NES Contra? Is it just kind of like a nice throwback? Is it an awesome game? Is it a terrible game with a really good soundtrack? I don't know. I'd love to hear your all opinions on it. But if you're interested in pre-ordering the soundtrack, check out Crystal's post with links to US, Canada, and EU distributors. The reverse-engineered source port of 1997's Dungeon Keeper has now hit version 1.0. So this is called Keeper FX, and as I just stated, it's a community effort that reverse-engineered the source of that game that's been going on for about 15 years. And while the game was absolutely playable up until this point, there's a ton of quality-of-life updates, compatibility fixes, tools for modders, and even new, uh, some new custom campaigns. So if this was a game you were into, uh, especially if you were into Keeper FX, the, the reverse-engineered version of it, it makes sense to go grab the 1.0 release and check it out. If you want more info, check out Donald's post, and it looks like LGR did a video on it as well. 
I just released a video titled, Why Retro Consoles Need a Scaler. And while I would appreciate it if all of you gave it a watch and threw me your opinions on it, this really wasn't meant for you directly. This was meant for all of your friends who keep asking you why you deal with all of this stuff. I really wanted to have one simplified video that tries so hard not to go into too much technical detail. Really just something anybody could watch, even if they don't quite get the technical stuff. I tried to pace it in a way where you could go, Okay, I understand. There's a reason why you can't just plug your consoles directly into the analog inputs of a flat panel. And here are the reasons why you can't buy those cheap scam cables or anything like that. And I've gotten some, some really good feedback on it so far. It was actually really nice to go through the comments and just have such a really awesome, positive group of people commenting on that. A lot of really great beginner questions, and I tried to answer every single question. And I just really hope that this is a video that you wouldn't mind sharing everywhere because it's not just about pimping the channel which of course I, I have to do but this really is i hope a video that could just make so many things easier for newcomers now the scaler recommendation part was tricky because it's in my nature to go through and do a deep dive on every scaler that i could possibly want to talk about but i stuck this to recommendations of scalers that i've been using personally for a long time that are available right now or are about to be back in stock or something like that and they're really recommendations that i stand by that i personally use these scalers and have a ton of experience i did want to clarify two things though um, I say that, yet the OSSC Pro was just released, so how could I have so much experience with it? Well, I just, I wanted, while no one really asked that, I definitely wanted to address it, at least to you all, that I first started using the OSSC Pro when Marcus first sent me a sample three plus years ago, before the part shortage killed that project, and the DEX board, the add-on for the DE10 Nano, is essentially the OSSC Pro, similar if not the same code. It's just limited to the output of the DE10, whereas the OSSC Pro itself is a little bit more powerful and could do 1440p and 1080p, 120. So when I said that, that wasn't just a, hey, I did one live stream with Marcus and now I recommend it. It's, it's a product I've had a ton of experience with. So I just wanted to clarify that for my fellow nerds. You know, I, I like to make sure I'm completely transparent and I don't ever want anybody to think I'm full of shit. And of course, there's one other scaler that so many of you were asking about that I decided not to give an honorable mention, but I wanted to at least mention it here. As you might expect, the Framemeister. And the number one reason I didn't talk about it at all is because you can't get it. And the only ones you could find are scalped versions on eBay, which people are listing for astronomical prices. And I hope they're just listing them for those prices and people aren't actually buying them for that. So there's no way I could recommend it just because you can't get it. I wanted to recommend products that were in production or about to be like with the OSSC Pros coming back hopefully soon. Um, but the other reason is while the Framemeister is a great scaler, especially for its time, it's not one that I would still recommend when you have all of these other amazing choices available. So my advice to anybody who owns one is the same that I was trying to patiently put in the comments as well. If you already own a Framemeister and you like it and you're happy with the total solution, awesome. Don't change a thing. It's a good scaler. It's got a bunch of awesome options. Don't forget to load up your favorite Firebrand X profiles. But if you're going into this now thinking, I need a scaler or my Framemeister died, do I buy another one or do I buy something else? I would strongly recommend the ones that I showed here because even though the Tink 4K isn't out yet, I've and many other people have been using it 
pretty much daily for about a year now, and it's a, as mature of a product as anyone could ever ask for. And it's Mike, so I'm sure it's going to get a bunch of free firmware updates too. But I just wanted to clarify those things, two things for you all. No one really complained, but uh, it just means a lot that I, to me that I'm trying to be transparent about this stuff. So any questions, fire away, but please share this one. You know, uh, share this both to help me out, but also to help you not have to explain all of the stuff to your friends. <laughs> just pass this around and hopefully the video could do it justice. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Pre-orders for the HDMI-only version of the Morph Scaler will open this Friday at midnight, so Black Friday time, at a Black Friday discounted price of $350. Normally it's going to be $400, but for this pre-order it's going to be $350, which is an awesome price for something like that. And it's only the HDMI version. The Analog Bridge expansion module will be available next year. And also, their pay, uh, the website and Dan on Discord said that the PCBs are still in production at the factory, and the ship date to customers will most likely be quarter one, 2024, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, so there's a, a few more things to talk about. Uh, pretty much all positive, to be honest with you. I'm excited about this, but I do have one very strong opinion I would like to share first in that the fact that Pixel FX said, hey, the PCBs are still in production. Here's where we think the ship date is, is awesome. I love to see that type of transparency. I don't think any reasonable adult would be angry if something happened and it got delayed a month because there was a hiccup at the factory, as long as there's honesty at the beginning. There were a few people that kind of expressed some concerns with that, but you got to remember Pixel FX says every product that they've opened pre-orders for, they've shipped, and it's been, they've all been good products. So I, you know, you're always welcome to form your own opinions about that, but I definitely wanted to lay my opinion out there and that pre-orders are, are opening up now. You get it at a discount. It is the HDMI only version. Some more cool stuff about that for the next post anyway. But um, I just like that they're honest about that. Like, hey, you know, they should be here, but here's what happens if they're not. I know a lot of people like to have everything in stock before shipping, but I see the advantages to both. And I think that's totally cool. Um, some other things to update. Matt Buxton from Video Game Perfection posted the first footage of the morph powering up. Now, Matt had posted on social media a picture of the morph, and I had annoyed the ever-living crap out of him until he had posted a picture of it actually booting. And I, I wanted to see... I wanted to see your average scenario for something like this. So he plugged his GameCube with the uh, GC Mark II into the, into the morph, into a TV, and just showed it powering on and working. And 
that's all I asked for because while many of us behind the scenes knew that the morph was a real product that you could get, there were very legitimate non-trolly concerns from people that said, how could we open pre-orders on, or how could they open pre-orders on a project no one's ever even seen powering on? So I annoyed Matt to no end. He posted that video and now you could rest assured the morph is a real product. I think most people behind the scenes knew it was anyway, but it just goes back to, you know, you have to make sure to let your customers know what's going on and and how things are real or not. Now, Matt didn't have time to do a deep dive analysis. And with respect to Matt, that's not what he does. So I wouldn't ask that of him anyway. I just wanted to see it powering up and working because uh, I really didn't want to come on this week and talk to you about a pre-order when I knew so many of you were questioning it. And, you know, it's one thing for me to say, oh, I'm sure it's fine. But now we know. Here it is. It powers on. It's got the same interface style, just like I speculated. It's basically like an N64 digital retro gem, uh, but in a scalar form, which I personally thought that was great. I mean, you're you're welcome here to your own opinions about which UI you prefer or don't prefer or whatever else, but I certainly don't have any issues with that. I do wish that they had post some some basic demos, though, like lag tests, which would be very easy because Dan and Kristoff were the ones that invented the time sleuth. Um, and I do think that there should have been a little bit more info directed to their customers to put their minds at ease about a, certain, a few certain things, like how much is the analog bridge going to cost? Uh, in their previous press release, which they did not really talk about at all now, they said it was going to be uh, like $399 for the HDMI-only version and $499 for the analog bridge, but does that mean that the analog bridge by itself is 100 bucks? Is it going to be more? If it is more, will the people who pre-ordered be able to get at a discount because maybe they would have wanted it? None of those questions were answered. At least I, I don't, if I missed it, please let me know and I'll, I'll apologize. But I don't think any of those questions were answered at all. Um, also, uh, the whole thing about in their marketing, it said, um, you know, if you want to connect your OSSC M Classic, uh, or I mean, uh, your OSSC, your RetroTINK 5X, or anything else to this to scale, why why would people do that? Now, I'm not asking that in a sarcastic way. I'm asking from a marketing point of view. Like, why would somebody take a RetroTINK 5X and plug it into the Morph when they could get a 4K Gamer Pro for 130 bucks and get their 4K output? Or depending on your TV, just turn the sharpness up on your TV. Some do a good job, some do a very terrible job, but certainly a, a free thing to try if you already own one. So it really just comes back to, um, you know, while I make my, my snarky comments now and then towards their shapes and colors marketing that still drives me absolutely crazy, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about the product. I just, it's really disappointing to see them present things to their customers in a way that has more questions than answers. Like, for example, with the analog um, expansion module, their last press release claimed that all you'd have to do is pop the back off of the morph, then obviously with it powered off, <laughs> then slide this thing in, and then the analog bridge will come with a new back that has whichever inputs you prefer with many choices. But what if you didn't read the first press release or weren't listening to these podcasts or just forgot about it because it was months ago? I heard a lot of people saying, well, so it's going to be like a tower of power where you have to stack these things on top of each other. And if their last press release is still accurate, which I'm sure it would be, no, it's it's all integrated right in very nicely in a, that provides you a very cool upgrade path. So um, yeah, I mean, I know people love to start scalar wars and, and to try to make things what they're not, but I really, truly think that the Morph 
is at its regular $400 price point, not even at this Black Friday price point, is going to be an excellent contender. And I think um, once the firmware is matured up, at least, I think there's going to be a pretty clear path for people's needs and what they want to do. And I think the more fits very nicely in, in the choices that we have of all the other scalers out there. It'll just be nice to see anything, <laughs> anything about it other than some, some still screenshots. It'll be nice to see reviewers dig into it. Um, and once again, you know, thanks to Matt for just taking the time to do that. You know, it's not a deep dive. It was just like a, Hey, this thing's real. Check it out. And you know, I, I put a link to Flickr. I didn't even know Flickr was still a thing until Matt sent me the link, but uh, I put a link to everything right there. And I'm very interested to see what people are going to say about this when it's released. So, um, there you go. If you, uh, if you're looking for a morph, this Friday is the first pre-order and you know cross your fingers and then see how it goes here's kind of a fun one for existing RetroTink 2x owners when i did that live stream with marcus launching the ossc pro i had forgotten to show exactly what i'm about to talk about that's a very viable option what if you get an OSSC Pro that does not offer composite or S video inputs, or I guess if you get the Morph, which is HDMI only, but you already own a RetroTINK 2X, any of the 2Xs. All you would have to do is set them to pass-through mode, take the HDMI out, and there's your composite and S video inputs, and it works. Now, I'm not sure if I would recommend buying a RetroTINK 2X specifically for the OSSC Pro because the expansion module, whenever it is released, that will accept composite and S-video is sure to be less expensive. However, we also don't know how good the comb filter is. So, you know, maybe hold off. I'm not really sure, but I, my gut's kind of telling me if you already own a Tink 2X and you're getting the OSSC Pro, it's going to be a perfectly fine solution, but maybe don't go out and buy it for that. That said, for the Morph, I mean, not sure when the analog bridge is coming out. So if you already own a Tink 2X or you could get one cheap, there's your analog inputs. Um, there's just a few things that you would need to note for that. Every RetroTINK 2X, except the multi-format, will only accept 15 kilohertz signals. So if you're feeding composite and S-video, that's not an issue. Or if you're feeding component video that's not 480p, that's totally fine, once again, unless you have the multi-format, but it won't pass 480p through. Now, that's not at all a thing on any of the OSSC products because they all come with the analog inputs built in, but if you're using this with a morph, it should all work fine. Uh, the only thing to note would be that if you have something like a PlayStation 2, an Xbox, or a Wii, then you could just get a really cheap analog-to-digital converter and run that into the morph, which that might end up being a better option for you than the analog bridge if that's what you have. Um, I don't really know because they don't really have any info on that at all yet. Yet, so I don't know what kind of filtering or options they have, but this would all of these would at least present you with a way to get original resolutions into the HDMI inputs. Now, for the record, you could also use any of the Tink 2X products to go into the original OSSC. You would just have to use an HDMI to component or HDMI to VGA converter in order to do so, but I tried that years ago. I can't remember if I ever did a video or a post, though. I've done like a thousand videos at this point, so it's all kind of a blur, but that would absolutely work if you had an OSSC. You could, of course, um, get a Core U transcoder, if, uh, but I just think this is one of those things where if you already own your Tink 2X, then just start with this. 
free is always the best way. <laughs> it's always the best price to pay, right? Um, and then just kind of consider from there. See what the pricing on the analog bridge is. See if they release any features. See if the OSSC Pro expansion module comes out. And if you're interested, I also have a video that shows just a couple seconds of Contra using this test versus directly into the RetroTINK 4K, which has the best video game comb filter I've ever seen. Now, uh, just some nerd notes, because I know people are going to look at this and any of my, my fellow nerd friends are going to just be questioning it right away. I mean that with love, by the way. Um, but the thing on the left is the RetroTINK 2X Pro in pass-through mode, so you're setting 240p <clears throat> into the OSSC Pro uh, via composite video. And then the OSSC Pro scaled to 1080p 5X. And then on the right is just composite video from the exact same NES into the RetroTINK 4K, also in 1080p 5X mode. And then I put it in a 1440p window cropped just so it's much easier to squish them together and see the video right next to each other. So if you're wondering why the video is equally cut off on both, that's why. Um, I know most people listening aren't going to care, but uh, everybody on the R3 Discord, I want you to know that I'm not failing you. <laughs> there was a reason that I did it this way. But yeah, I just, this is one of those just friendly reminders of like, hey, here's a neat thing you could do with something you already own, or maybe this is an upgrade path for you. Uh, but I don't know. I just wanted to share the info and thought it was the, the perfect time, especially if you'd already pre-ordered the OSSC Pro and already own a RetroTINK 2X. Next up, Tito from Macho Nacho Productions recently released a video that showcases essentially a way to build a Game Boy out of all brand new parts with the exception of the CPU and I believe the link cable. And it was really neat to see. People had created reverse engineered motherboards from the original DMG and paired it with aftermarket shells, aftermarket buttons, aftermarket LCD panels, and the only thing you would have to do is move the CPU over. Tito actually used one from a Super Game Boy, so you don't even have the Nintendo logo when it boots up. It just boots directly into the game. And I think this is absolutely an awesome way to use any Game Boy that has a dead motherboard. Um, I'm sure most of them could be repaired in one way or another, but I think we all, you know, from anybody who grew up with the Game Boy, from then till now, we all have at least one story about how a Game Boy was completely unfixable. And hopefully you held on to it, because now you could just remove the CPU, transplant it onto this and get yourself essentially a, a brand new Game Boy. I thought that was a very cool project to, to look at and, you know, another great video from Tito. There is a quick warning here, though. Apparently, the JNT Studios Super DMG kit has an issue with the traces on the link port connector. So Tito doesn't recommend purchasing this kit at the moment since it has the older Super DMG design. After the video was updated, Kamikane fixed the issue and the updated design is in the GitHub. However, to Tito's knowledge, the JNT Studios kit doesn't have the fix yet. So if you do not plan on installing the link port, whatever, it's not a big deal at all. And um, I don't know, how many people actually have used the Game Boy regularly in two-player mode? Because I distinctly remember one time as a kid playing Tetris and... Uh, F1 Grand Prix or something? There was one other game that I played once with a friend and then never again. <laughs> so this is, I, maybe I was missing out. Maybe a bunch of people are always playing awesome Link Port games and, and having a good time. But for me personally, that wouldn't stop me from building something like this. I would just leave it out and have myself a nice portable, essentially brand new yet all original Game Boy. Awesome idea. So please check out Tito's video for more info. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Next up, I posted an interview with Rodrigo Copetti, who has been doing amazing deep dive console blog posts, if you will. Um, And this is one of these interviews where if you've read Rodrigo's blog, you're immediately going to be like, oh, I'd love to hear from him. And if not, uh, then you might kind of wonder what this one's all about. But essentially, Rodrigo has an entire blog with really awesome deep dives. Um, A ton of consoles on here. I think uh, the first one I ever read straight through was the one on Sega Master System, but it's just everything a nerd would want. You know, breakouts of all of the different components on there, diagrams of everything, full write-ups on all of the components with tons of really cool diagrams. And I I don't know. I, I just... I can't gush enough over this because while I do realize deep technical write-ups aren't for everybody, that's totally fine, by the way. If you're into this stuff, you need to check out the blog and maybe, you know, maybe you would enjoy listening to the interview as well. But even if you don't listen to the interview, at the very least, if you have the slightest bit of interest in this stuff, please click on the link, go right into Rodrigo's blog and at least pick your favorite console that he's done and skim through it, I think you're going to be thoroughly impressed. And uh, it was an awesome chat with Rodrigo. It's great to finally get to know him, uh, get to know somebody whose blog I've been following for a while. And uh, hopefully we could follow up again in the future and kind of continue the conversation. But this was a fun one, and I appreciate all of Rodrigo's work. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retrosource. As usual, I'm going to be skimming through these, just adding my thoughts where I feel necessary. But if you want more details and visual examples, please check out Lou's video because he really goes into detail with all this stuff. First up, the FPGA Game Boy Color by Funny Playing has now been released. It's a kit that you have to build yourself, but no soldering is involved. It has FPGA emulation of the Game Boy and Game Boy Color, supports cartridges for both of those systems, and uses a USB-C connection for charging and firmware updating. It's currently sold out, but the price was $70, which I just think is super cool. If you're a huge fan of the original DMG and the Game Boy Color, that might be a really fun way to get essentially a brand new one. Uh, Next up, Grumpy Old Gamer in the UK is selling Mr. Laggies for £11. So basically, if you were looking to pick up a Mr. Laggy uh, and you were in Europe, now's a much easier way to get it. No disrespect to Wickerwaka, it's just shipping costs a lot of money. So if you're in the US, still go to the Tindy store. uh, And then if, if you're in Europe, I would check out Grumpy Old Gamer. Uh, Next, Gangbusters uh, is now released for uh, supporters uh, from Hotego, and that's a Konami arcade vertical shooter where you control a law enforcement officer to help clean up the streets. And uh, Hotego also released the final round core to the public, which is an arcade boxing game. There was also maintenance updates to Simpsons, Ninja Turtles, Karate Champ, and Blockbok. Next up, Ronnie Snice released a new Castlevania wallpaper for the Mister. You can update them just by enabling it and update all. And seriously, do it. There's no reason not to. The wallpapers are amazing. It's completely free. Takes up a couple of bytes on your SD card. You'll appreciate it, I promise you. 
Next up, Robert added an option to de-dither games in the N64 core to smooth out graphics in certain situations. And also, the TLB has started to be implemented, so now Mario 64 doesn't need a patch in order to work on it. Um, Robert had done a couple more Patreon posts and Twitter posts showing the details of this stuff, but it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, next up, there's a new uh, new developer that is working on developing a Mr. FPGA core for the arcade game Toki. There already looks to be pretty far along in development, but the sound port needs to be developed. Uh, and lastly is something very cool, but make sure you listen to what I say because it's going to be very easy to misunderstand this. The user Just a Guy on the Mr. Forums released a, fork, a couple of forked cores that run at a horizontal 4K resolution. And that was achieved by using a lower vertical resolution like 720, and then you could enable the stretch to fit setting on your television to fill the screen. You could get these cores for the NES, SNES, Mega Drive, Mega CD, PlayStation, and TurboGrafx-16, and you have to manually install them. So the reason I'm just being careful about this is because I don't want people to think, oh, the Mr. can do 4K now. Technically, but not really. And there's nothing wrong with this. I'm, I'm happy that just a guy was able to do this experiment, but it's really going to come down to your display, how your display stretches vertically, and what advantages you might gain from this. And this is one of those things where if you have a display that doesn't scale to 1080p to 4K the way you would like, Maybe give this a try and use the fill mode and see if it looks better. Uh, I think one of the, while this is not at all the same thing, one of the best examples of this is when one of the videos John Lindemann did showed how if you had set whatever device he was playing to 16 by 9 mode, so improperly stretched, but then use your TV to force to 4 by 3 mode, you don't get any shimmering, and it might actually be a better solution than running in four by three mode. So while that's not what this is, it was a good example just to say, maybe this is one of those things where if you're able to run this core, it'll work better on your TV. But, you know, with no disrespect at all meant to just a guy, I just want to be clear that this is not a 4K core because the DE10 isn't going to be able to handle that. But I love stuff like this. I love nerd experiments. And I bet you there's a couple of people out there that are going to try this and go, you know, I actually think it looks better. So Thank you, Just a Guy, for doing that. And especially thank you to Lou for keeping up with all of this stuff because I sure as heck can't. And it's just so nice to have it all in one place so I can get all the Mr. News that I need just easily scrolling through. So thanks very much, Lou. Don't forget to subscribe to him on YouTube. Next up, JB is offering a Black Friday discount of 20% on all Gun for IR kits. And I believe that includes the software license as well as any of the kits that you could purchase. Uh, if you're not familiar with the project, I did a live stream with JB a while back where we kind of dug deep into this and I learned as I went, which I know that annoys many people watching those because I make all the mistakes anybody would the first time you used it. But it's a good idea of how this thing works. Um, it gives you a good sense of what can go wrong. So, for example, I used painter's tape to tape the sensors to the side of my TV because I knew it was just a temporary installation. And that wasn't smart because the sensors kept moving slightly and would throw off the calibration. So there's a couple of really good tips in there that you might uh, want to pick up on. But I think the one thing that I took away from it was when it was working properly, it was 
very accurate and very fast to the point where there was one PlayStation game we were playing that has an on-screen cursor in the game. And when we enabled the on-screen cursor for Mr., the gun for IR cursor was updating faster than the one built into the game. So it's an awesome solution. Uh, it's just, it's going to require hardware or software emulation and getting it set up in the Mr., wasn't the most intuitive thing. I think that the team, the Mr. Team and JB actually had done a lot of work to make it, make it easier than certain other solutions. But it's, if you really wanted to use light gun games on a flat panel, this is something you should consider. Um, you could have do it yourself kits, which is what JB is selling that just require a donor gun con. Or if you want our, our peg electronics is selling pre-made kits. They're pretty expensive, but a lot of work goes into hand making these things. So you'll just have to decide for yourself. Either way, I just wanted to share the 20% off discount. Cause if uh, you were looking to build a kit and you were on a budget, maybe now's the time to jump on it, I guess. Greg from Laser Bear is now selling replacement rubber feet for consoles, and I am oddly excited about these because there's a few really awesome use cases. First, the Xbox Ones come with the holes already punched out for the screw terminals, so no longer pulling the rubber feet off the bottom of your Xbox when you need to take the case apart, you could just fit your screwdriver right through. That alone is awesome and worth upgrading or you most likely have lost a few of yours. So that's pretty cool. But also there's versions available for the Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, original NES, Famicom, Famicom disk system. And I believe the AES ones are out of stock, but those will be available too. So that means if you have one of those retro game restore cases that didn't come with a rubber feet, you could just buy one of these. And I, I, just bought a bunch from Greg for uh, my, my friend got a couple that I have sitting here. So I'm going to be finishing up those transparent shells with these. And just to note, the Retro Game Restore shells have the nubs on the bottom. So even if you did put it on a desk and wiggle it around, you're not going to scratch the case up, just the, the area around where the rubber feet would go. But putting the rubber feet in completely eliminates that anyway. So this is one of those very small attention to detail things that I appreciate probably more than I should. But uh, thanks very much to Greg for making them. I think a lot of people are probably, at the very least, the Xbox ones. And if you have a Retro Game Restore shell, seriously consider these. And if you have a console where the feet's worn off, cracked, or whatever else, maybe uh, maybe this is something to consider as well. Well, that's it for this week. I hope my voice didn't annoy you too bad. I loaded up on cough medicine, drank a bunch of water to try to make it at least a little bit better before I started, but hopefully I could shake this and be better by next week. But anyway, thank you as always to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to people who support in any way, because it's you who's keeping all this going. I still haven't fully compensated for turning the ads off, so all of the new people who joined, I just, I appreciate you and all of the people who have been keeping this going so much. However, I was able to talk to a few people and hopefully have a few sponsors to help compensate a little more for the ads. And uh, welcome to the first one. This week's roundup is brought to you by Neo Paradigm Entertainment, connecting Southeast Asian influencers with opportunities in the West. 